Today's podcast is brought to you by Be Dratty, our friends over at Be Dratty. It's cold. Will Knights is here. Will, what's what's your favorite Be Dratty item you got? I mean, how can you go wrong with a crew neck sweater? It's the best thing that they've got in the shop. The, the sweatshirt? You like the sweatshirt? Oh, yeah. Front pocket. I mean, you're lounging around watching coffee go off in the morning. You got Hawaii coming up. You're going to be sitting around. You need something comfy, something warm, you're looking out at the snow. It's, you, it's good for all situations. Yeah, people a lot of times look at me. I'm, I'm wearing that. Sweater. They're like, is that the, is that kangaroo pouch on a, on a crew neck sweatshirt? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it's like people get like jealous if you've got a kangaroo pouch and they, and they don't have one. Well, I mean, especially you got Violet here. She's running around. You could throw her right in there, carry around the golf course. <laughs> Who knows? You know, the, the kangaroo pocket has no limits as to, uh, as to where, where it'll go. There's snow on the ground here, so I don't think I'm going to be going to golf course anytime soon. You can get the crew neck on our website, thefriedegg.com. We've got a few and some random sizes left. But otherwise, you can go get that that sweatshirt on bedratty.com. Welcome back to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast. Today, I am joined by Nick Hardy. Uh, Nick is a former All-American from the University of Illinois. He was actually up on the podcast a couple years ago. Uh, I think it's episode 19 or thereabouts. He was on with his teammate, uh, Dylan Meyer. So Nick is just got through the second stage of uh, Q School. He's uh, obviously a pretty high-profile young player who will be playing on the Corn Ferry Tour next year and uh, a local from the Chicago area. So I've, I've gotten to watch Nick play so many times uh, growing up from when he was uh, 13. It's been pretty cool to see a uh, local kid really develop into one of the best young players uh, in the game. So here's our podcast with Nick Hardy. I miss a green, for example. I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. What do you do in your downtime when you're not playing golf? Oh man, I mean, not much, honestly. I, I like to, I like to work out. Um, you know, I just like to chill. Quite honestly, I like to chill because I spend do spend a lot of time, you know, at golf and and just because I love it, I'm always practicing, I'm always playing. Um, but you know, I like to work out and I like to chill. I like to, I love fantasy football. I love the Bears. You know, <laughs> I mean, I love a tough, I, tough season. <laughs> I, I set aside all my Sunday afternoons to watch football, but besides that, I mean, you know, I'm pretty, pretty, you know, bland besides that. Going from college to professional golf, where college, you have a lot of built-in distractions mm-hmm. to golf, you know, professional golf, you golf all the time. What's been the toughest thing about that? Have you had troubles? Right. No, there's no doubt. I mean, my senior year of college, I remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to be making this transition next year and I'm going to have a lot more downtime than I do right now, you know, just based on having, you know, teammates at hand and being able to, you know, be competitive with them day to day, practice schedule, workout schedule, everything's planned for you from class to studying, you know, everything's, you, you, you have your own plan, everything out for you. And, you know, the next year I would have to 
um, really just make my own plan and be, be cautious that I'm not trying to overdo it too, because knowing me, I'll probably want to overdo working on the game and just being there too much. But it's important to build, you know, outside hobbies and, and have a, a routine day to day that, uh, you're comfortable with, you're making sure you're not kind of overdoing it. And, um, I think I found the happy medium. I mean, I kind of really, I honestly, it's been, it's been a nice because I just really have slowed myself down on a day-to-day basis. College, you're kind of running from class to practice, to lunch, to, you know, you name it, you got something to do. And now I just kind of take my time. I notice that I, I'm, I'm moving a lot slower day-to-day, which is better for me. I notice I drive slower. <laughs> I eat slower. I, you know, I do everything a lot slower than I did in college. And I think that's a great, that's honestly a much better way to live. But, uh, I think that's really what I've noticed. Did it take time to figure out that you needed to slow down? Um, no, I, I guess it just sort of happened. You know, it just kind of, it just kind of just went flowed that way because I just had more time and I was able to fill gaps by just eating breakfast slowly every morning or, taking more time practicing over, you know, still being, you know, effective with practice, but having more time to, to do what I feel like I need to do. You go down to Scottsdale in the winter. Do you, do you stay with other guys playing or do you have uh, roommates or do you? Yeah, do you stay? I, I stay with family friends, actually. Uh, my caddy, Eric Marcus, his parents uh, live, live out there and they have a, a house in the DC ranch community. So I stayed with them last winter and I plan on doing so a little bit this winter too, but I also have my grandpa in Tucson who I stay with for a couple, a couple times. And then my, my buddies, Charlie Danielson's out there. Um, so, so I will stay with him a couple times too, but yeah, having family friends out there for now is great for me because it's, you know, I like to be in Chicago and in, in when it's nice. And so it's doesn't really make sense. Hopefully I'm on the road in the winter time when I want to be in Scottsdale. It doesn't really make, make sense for me to have my own place yet out there. Yeah. Hopefully you're on the road all the time. <laughs> yes, hopefully I'm on the road all the time. But you want to you know, be doing the Asia that's, swing, and, and that's and true. This time of year. That's true. <laughs> the uh, so you, you talked to when we talked last time uh, when you were still in school, you were a junior then in uh, Illinois. You talked about how you work really well with structure. Mm-hmm. How have you gone about building structure um, now that you get to decide your structure? Right. It's nice, you know, when you're when I was in college, especially having Coach Small develop our own structure in, in terms of practice, uh, that was really nice. And having, you know, six or seven other guys being able to compete against every single day was really nice. And now, you, now I start to realize how lucky I was to have that just fit out and plan for me because, you know, obviously I trusted Coach Small first and foremost with with my practice but with structure in my whole life because he really cared about us and we were doing I knew I was doing the right things and I I believed 100% that I was doing the right things in practice that would make myself successful on the course Um, and now that you know I've spent four years at school and learning from coach and learning from my teammates I I, kind of know how to how to practice to get things done and not just be there and just going through the motions so I try to do things that we did at school in my structured practice and try to complete things in practice and try to feel like I'm getting things done in order to get that confidence, that self-belief instead of just kind of being there, hitting balls, going through the motions and, and whatnot. So um, having learned from Coach Small and, and, and being structured in, in practice at school, I, I've been able to do things on my own. But not having those teammates from day to day is, is the biggest difference. Yeah. Talk about the teammates. I I think one of the interesting things with college golf is that it's this team environment. And I mean, 
your guys' teams at Illinois, great players. I mean, Charlie Danielson, who we were talking about earlier, Thomas Dietrich, uh, Brian Campbell, Dylan Meyer, mm-hmm. you know, guys that are playing on PGA Tour, European Tour, having a lot of success. Mm-hmm. What was it, the practice environment like? Right. Yeah, no, coach made the practice environment extremely competitive. Like every single day we were doing something to get our competitive juices flowing, you know, like that. And that's a great thing about our team that those guys you named, every single one of them was super, super competitive and everyone hated losing in practice as much as they did in, you know, on the course and in real competition. Um, so that having that every day was such a good environment. And, um, you know, now it's for me, I have different guys that I do that with, but, um, having those guys at that, those types of players that, at your disposal every day, whether it be on the course or in that in the indoor facility or outdoor facility, we're doing something to keep keep competitive. So you you've kind of like as you've moved into professional golf, you've got a group of guys now that you have right. similar competitiveness with when you're doing when you're practicing and when you're playing. Yeah. So at the Merit Club where I practice, you know, and I've been you know lucky to practice for eight years now. I, I practice with Patrick Flavin a bunch, uh, Brian Orr my old high school teammate. Um, they're both, you know, up and coming players who've just turned pro recently. And Patrick's had success this year in Latin America tour. So, I mean, we make each other better. We feed off each other for sure. There's no doubt that over the years we've made each other better. And it's not, we're not probably doing similar things, you know, that we were doing at school with coach small in terms of practicing competitively, but we're on the golf course just as competitive. We could play for a dollar and it'd be, It'd be, it'd be quiet out there sometimes we'd not be talking to each other just really competitive on the golf course we don't want to lose to each other so uh that's what makes you better though what's your guys favorite games to play on the course um if we got a foursome we're always playing scotch games just two on two uh, i'm sure many people are familiar with scotch games but we would we would mix up the teams randomly we, I, we always play with jim billiter too they have pro at kemper lakes and we, it's, it's great playing at kemper lakes too because that course is very hard it can beat you up especially the back nine. Um, Those last few holes. Yeah. And so, uh, I mean, it, it playing that course, too, has made me better. So it's uh, it's quite a treat to be able to play there, too. Last year, you, you missed out on, on getting through Q School Stage 2 just by, what was it, two shots, one yep, shot? two shots. Two shots. Um, and then you, you didn't go to play either Canada or Latin America. You kind of did a lot of Mondays. Mm-hmm some smaller events in Arizona, you got some exemptions. What was the decision? Did you think about doing Latin America or Canada? Or was there a reason that you didn't do it? Yeah, of course I did. I mean, it was a very tough decision and I I don't regret anything uh, of what I did the past year. And looking back on it, I mean, the year couldn't have gone better. I, I failed so many times. I mean, I, I, I three-putted the last two holes at Q School, second stage last year to miss by two. I uh, I missed the cup I won at Torrey Pines in the sponsor exemption I had. I missed the cup I won at Dominican Republic. Uh, I lost in a four for three playoff to get in the waste management. I uh, missed the cup I won at the U.S. Open. Um, I, I mean, just making the cut is not my standard I set for myself. But in order to have any success that you want to have, you got to play the weekend. And I, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't be more thankful for those experiences now. I mean... I, I've learned so much from um, those experiences, and I'll never forget the feelings I had after those tournaments. 
Uh, but it's just made me better. I know, I know it for a fact. And, um, not deciding, you know, deciding not to go to Canada or Latin was a hard decision for me because I, I, I knew I probably should be playing events and getting those reps in. Uh, I did know at the time though, I would have maybe three, three exemptions left. And I knew I was, I would be a great Monday qualifier and I ended up qualifying for three webs and, and I had a sponsor exemption in one of them. And, I knew that that was probably a, a tough decision and I, I knew many people wouldn't agree with me for it and I didn't care. I mean, I didn't care what others thought about my decision. I knew that I would, I would kind of make my own experiences and I would make my own opportunities as I went. And I ended up having some success. I mean, I, I played in the U S open again, which is another great experience. I won an APT event, all pro tour. I mean, I, I finished third in another one. I mean, I, I, I had some small moments of, okay, I know, I know I'm on the right track, which gave me good feelings, but, um, not playing, I, I probably didn't play in enough tournaments this year, even though I probably still played in 18 to 20, at least, you know, that decision was really hard, but I, I am, I don't regret any of it. Talk about golf. And I guess what you said, I agree with to a certain extent with the, uh, when you have near misses versus when everything's going good, like what you're learning right. from, from near misses. You learn way more when you go, don't get the things that, that you kind of desire for. I feel like if I had actually made the cut in all those or barely squeaked in and played the weekend and whatever I did, whatever I did, I mean, I wouldn't have learned nearly as much as I did from just, just getting cut in the throat for those like five or six heartbreaks. I mean, on my, the standard I set for myself is not just to make the cut. Let me get this clear, but yeah. not playing the weekend will, you know, is enough to, to not make you successful at all. So I just feel like, I mean, over and over again, I, I, I definitely felt, you know, some sort of heartbreak this year, but I mean, it's, it's probably why I, I had success last week at second stage, you know? And why it's why I decided to go back to the same site and try to do it all over again. You know, I mean, um, those experiences I'll, I'll always look back to the rest of my career, you know? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think with life in general and golf in general, and when you miss, when you get, it's, it's like a teaching moment. Cause then you get back and especially with golf, like you're never in the same situation twice ever in golf i think that's probably why it's the coolest game in the world right because you'll never hit the same shot ever again it'll be completely new another time but but the thing is the things that you're feeling down this stretch are always the same Mm -hmm. everything like that's the great thing about golf is it's individual so i mean you may not have the same physical things over and over again but your your mind and, and your body and what you're feeling will always be the same and that's that's like the tangible thing that you can always get better at is how you control yourself out there. And I feel like I, I'm in some ways am a slow learner and I've always been that way. Every single level I've, I've kind of played at, I, it's taken me a little bit of time to, to feel like I, I, okay, I, I'm, I'm ready to really go now, you know? And, and I've, I feel like I've always been that way. And, um, that's a great thing about golf is like, you just got to keep getting better at, learning how to handle yourself in those moments. What particular aspect do you think has been the, the toughest for you to, to learn like in the moment? Um, honestly, it's just being able to control myself. And like, I, I am definitely a more of a high strung competitive guy and, you know, coach small 
right when I got to school, he always talked about being able to like know what level you play at your best at. And everyone's different. Everyone like say you go a one to 10 scale on like emotion and just anxiety. I'm definitely a higher anxiety person. Like I, I am always probably riding it at eight and you got guys maybe like Brian Campbell, for example, he's probably riding at a two. Like there are guys that are just different in terms of like being able to have to get themselves up for something or get themselves down for something. And if you're, if you're always at a five, then, then you're always probably lucky to be that way. But for me, I always need to calm myself down and, and, you know, find the right level for myself, you know? Yeah. I, it's interesting. I think that golf is so unique in the fact that like, if you're playing in the NBA finals, everybody's amped. Right. But in golf, you have to play to your like personality, right? And it's you can't try and be somebody you aren't, right? You can't look at you can't look at Brian Campbell and be like, well, I just need to be like him, no, because yeah. it would, would not work for you. No, no, it wouldn't. And and that's a, that's the crazy thing about it is you got to be you got to you got to know yourself. You got to know, and and that's your trial and error, you know, just like anything. But um, and that's that's probably where when you have things not go your way is when you learn more about yourself than when things go your way. For sure. For sure. I mean, when things are going well, anyone can go out there and and find the right whatever, because things are just going well. You're not really like thinking about those things, but when you're driving home from with a seven hour drive, thinking about infestering in your mind about how you just misplayed two shots to miss the cup by one or one shot, you know, then that's when you're really learning. Like you, you got, Plenty of time to think about things when you fail, you know. It's those drives. I a few years ago, I I I was playing a U.S. Mid Am qualifier, and I I was playing well, and I finished double double, and I was in the middle of fairway of both the holes, and I missed missed qualifying by one or two, and I I was played in Indianapolis. Yeah. And I'm driving home, and it was just it was a four hour drive, and I don't remember anything from it <laughs> because you know you're just replaying, and it, it, it's just amazing when you have moment tournament golf the drive home from a tournament yeah is like the craziest thing in the world because like you've left the world yeah essentially and it's crazy because i mean <laughs> you you're just festering inside but you're you know you're kind of driving and you're just kind of in the zone your body your your mind's just like like driving for you but you're just festering about the things that you know maybe have gone wrong but on the other side of things like when things go well, like I, I, I've driven home three times making the U.S. Open for a six-hour drive, and that's like best, you know, best time of my life. One of those drives was with Charlie Danielson, and we were the one of like two of the only four to qualify at Springfield out of eighty guys, and we were driving home, and that was the best drive of our lives. I mean, like, like it's just it, it can, it can be. That's the great thing about golf, though. You know, it can be, it, can, it's so high and low, and I mean. It's not like, you know, like you said, it's not like football or basketball where you can just make things better by trying harder. You know, you, you, it's just, you gotta, it's the right temperament. Yeah. A lot of times if you try, try less things turn around. Exactly. That's totally with golf and especially with putting, you know, it's like, like, it's just like, you gotta just let things happen as, you know, you just gotta control what you can control only, you know? That it's so true because you get especially if you're playing like a scramble, people are like, "Oh, you got to make this! Yeah, Don't right, leave it!" Right. And it's like you never make that putt. No, no. <laughs> you can't try and make it. <laughs> no, it's it, talk about it. Say, 
say you're over a big putt, you uh, say it's a match play match and you need to make something like your mm-hmm. mentality is the same for that putt as any other putt, right? For sure. I mean, it, and it just goes back to like relying on your, your routine, you know, and, um, totally just only controlling on, on, you know, what you can control. And then that's not what's in front of you realistically everyone reads the putt okay i got the read and everyone just is obsesses with the read but what i control can control is right in front of my eyes right here and this is me making a good stroke and hitting the golf ball as well as i can and that's that's all i'm worried about when i hit a big putt is just i know okay all i can control is what my eyes are looking at right at you know right at that dimple on the golf ball or whatever i'm looking at and i, I can't control whatever else happens in front of me I, I can predict what happens in front of me but i can't control it once you have your read it's you shut off that right yeah yeah you, you, i mean a lot of people just you know it, it's it's totally goes back to thinking too far in the future or too far in the past i mean it's it's what's what's in front of you that read is the future you know what what is in the now is making the best stroke you can and and whatever happens out in front of you is happens so you played the your third u.s open you you qualify you made the cut at chambers bay you played at oakmont and then you played this year at Pebble. The first two as an am. Did you feel any different playing in the U.S. Open as a pro? Yeah, I mean, my feelings that week were so different because I honestly felt like I was like that was the week where I felt like okay, I, I'm I, I can compete against these guys. Like I, I really believed it. And you got off to a great start. Yeah, I, I mean, I looking back at that week, and yeah, I was really frustrated again and missing the cut by one, and it was another just kind of a heartbreaker um looking back at that week though that was huge because it was honestly the first week where I felt like I could beat every single one of these guys like I I came in really confident I was hitting the ball as good as I've ever hit the ball and um I just had two doubles on the first round that killed me like and there were mistakes that I don't normally make either it was like it was just normally I take my own medicine and play patiently and, and all that but I made I made a bad mistake on number nine out of the fairway bunker. I hit a five iron trying to go for the green when I probably should have just hit a layup in that fairway and just took it took a five. But even the layup into the nine fairway is not easy because you got the ocean on your right and just horrible rough on the left. So I I took all of everything into account and I went for the green and I hit it in the hazard to the right, just barely in the in the, the prairie grass in front of the ocean and um ha- ended up hacking out and making a double. And then I hit a great iron shot into 10 that came up short and didn't get up and down. So I was back to even through 10 holes after being three under through seven. And I just made another double bogey coming in. And I, you know, I'm looking at, I think I was, I, I shot three over in the first round, I think, or two over. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, I shot two over in the first round. And then I come back, uh, you know, and I play in the morning on the first round. And I'm playing the afternoon in the second round. And I'm in the, like the last tee time and I'm finishing almost at dark. And it was not easy. Like I played really solid in the second round and I had, I was on the cut line with six holes to go and I missed a short putt on number four and I finished on nine. And, um, I had a bunch of opportunities coming in for birdie the last five holes and I didn't get one to go. And I remember, I remember though, like after all the heartbreaks I had prior to that U S open and you know, everything I I had three or four before that, I knew I, I was handling myself really well. And I came away with that U.S. Open thinking, well, I know I handled myself so well coming down the stretch in this one. It wasn't that I kind of hurt myself or cost myself by not handling myself the right way. And that was the most frustrating part of it was I finally handled myself the right way, I felt like. 
and it didn't, it just didn't happen my way. And, um, you know, walking, you know, walking away from that week was just, just grueling because I knew I handled myself the right way. Finally, instead of the ways before where I didn't, maybe didn't control myself down the stretch the way I should have. Or you might've pushed too much when. Right. Right. Or I tried too hard or, or, yeah, exactly. I, I, this time I knew I handled myself the right way. It just didn't go my way. I didn't get in for the weekend. And that was so frustrating because I played so well that week. And I remember probably could have, I probably could have scored. I mean, the way I hit the ball and the way I played it, it could have been a really special first two days. It could, I mean, it could have been, and everyone could say that, but I really believe I knew it. That's what's, you know, stunk was deep down. I I knew I could be like in in the top 10 after these first two rounds, the way I've hit the ball and the way I've played. And I remember, you know, I was just so, so motivated right after that. And I got on a plane to Tulsa, Oklahoma to play in an all pro tour event. And it's like, wow, you're going from the U S open to an all pro tour event. This is kind of crazy. This is reality. You know, I'm like, this is professional golf. I haven't done anything yet. I have not proven myself one bit. I've gone from the U S open to an all pro tour event. It's, you know, this is, this is reality. And I, uh, I actually went into that week and I, I, I shot six under the first round and, and 10 under the second round. And I, that was just all stemming from what I told you. That was the one I won the week after the U S open. I just, I remember that, that I was just telling myself the the right things after the U S open, like, okay, like you can't feel bad for yourself after that. I, I was telling myself, like I knew I handled myself the right way and I knew, I know I'm close. And I, I, I remember that that was just all from self-talk and I knew I was really confident even after missing a cut. That's the thing with golf. Your score is not always, doesn't always show. Right. It doesn't indicate what you're, how you're playing sometimes because that's the frustrating part. Um, and that's what, what happened to me at the U S open for sure. It just, it, it just doesn't indicate (laughs) <laughs> like you, like they always say, there's no pictures on the scorecard, but really in your mind, there's always pictures on the scorecard. Yeah, like you could go out and shoot 75 and be like, God, I played really, really yeah. good. Yeah, and it's in it, it, and then you could play the next day and shoot 72 and be like, I didn't, I didn't play very good. Oh, uh, exactly. There's no doubt about it. And everyone go around telling everyone how they played after the round or whatever. And there's people who are everyone saying the same thing usually like, Oh, I, I played so good, but I just couldn't get the putts to drop. And it's the same story for a lot of people, but yet no one cares. Yeah. You just got to go out and get it done. And that's the great thing about professional golf is you got to keep proving it. You got, you can't just, there's, this isn't the NBA where you can sign a four year, $120 million contract and you're set for four years. You got to keep proving it every single weekend, every single day. And that's, that's a great thing about it. And it's just a total result, result oriented business. Talk a little bit. You mentioned about um, the late tee time at Pebble. Obviously, as a sectional qualifier, you get kind yeah, of the dumpy get, tee times. As a sponsor, and exemption, you get. And that's tea another Monday. thing. That's another thing about it. The, the the number one most popular question I've been asked when I say I played three years opens. Oh, who you've been paired with? Yeah. Like they must be. I'm like you. You have no idea. Their I, I followed you for a little <laughs> bit, and the, your your playing partners weren't having their best days out there. <laughs> They're like, oh, you must be playing with some of the coolest like players. I'm like, you have no idea who they are. Like, yeah. like. <laughs> you know, I need to be, I need to prove myself before I can get those nice tee times that everyone has, you know? How, how much tougher is it playing in those tee times than, it, say, even college where you, or amateur stuff where you were, you know, nobody's ever going to say you get put in, they have like 
pair, preferred pairings. Right. But in amateur events, you totally get preferred pairings if you're a big right. bigger player. Well, at, there are different experiences for me. Like at, at Oakmont, I I had the best tee times. I thought I had like the third tee time the first the first round in the perfect morning. You know, like perfect greens, everything, and then like the third tee time in the afternoon wave. So it was perfect. Like the, I would I wouldn't want better tee times than that. And then in the in chambers in uh, Oakmont or chambers in Pebble, I had the same tee times. I had the last tee time of the morning wave in the in the first round, and then the last tee time in the afternoon wave of the second round. So and that's, a, that's right, the worst. Think about the totem pole. So it's the worst tee time. Chambers, you're this. You're what were you a freshman, right, or a sophomore? I was going to be a sophomore. Going to be a, yeah. So they didn't really know who you were, right? No. no. And, and then and then you made the cut, and yeah. then the next year you get they, a, yep. a a prime amateur <laughs> tee time. <laughs> And then you're at the bottom of the rung of pros. Oh yeah. So you go to the back. Oh yeah. No, it's hilarious, but it's fair. It's I mean, it's fair. But I mean, I knew what I was gonna get it. You know, get. I knew the tea times I was gonna go going into it. But um, that's the thing. Like those those tea times suck. But I mean, it's just the way it is. Like you 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 go into the first round. Okay, I got a morning tea time, but I'm like nine o'clock or nine thirty, and and then I got so much time. You know, because then I'm like three o'clock the next day or two o'clock or whatever. And you're just like it, the waiting, you know. Yeah, what what is that day like? like? <laughs> I mean, it's just, okay, let's go work out. Let's eat breakfast. Let's go work out again. Let's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, I got tons of food waiting for me at the tent. I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's just eating and working out and stretching. That's what it is. And it's just like, you, you try to stay do off you your watch phone. Golf on TV. Oh, I watch a little bit. Uh, like to see how the course is reacting, but it's not going to react the same at five or six p.m. when I'm playing. So it doesn't mean doesn't do me any good anyway. But like, uh, I mean, both chambers and pebble. I'm getting off the course and it's pitch black. You know, like I, it's it's cold at pebble. It's it's. I mean, the ball's not going anywhere at six p.m. At, at you know on the ocean. It's it's completely different, but. Um, the greens are, you know, Pebbles greens were amazing at, and, and, you know, everyone says like, they're not usually this good ever. And I'm like, well, I mean, it can't get any better than this. And then, you know, when you get to 6 PM, 7 PM at night, they're, they're totally beat up. And did you, did you play or do any practice round stuff that late? Did you think about trying to do that? Um, that would have been a smart idea, but I didn't, I didn't know. I mean, I, like, honestly, having been my third u.s open i wanted to really just make sure i was fresh and i remember my chambers one i'm like oh like first u.s open i'm gonna play all the practice rounds i can and like i played with some cool players i played with brooks kepka there i played with zach johnson um i think webb simpson i i played with some really cool players in the practice rounds but that was because i spent 72 holes preparing for the tournament and then i made the cut and i remember after that sunday i i couldn't move i mean I, even as a, a freshman or sophomore when i was young but i i was so beat up like and then i i you know i learned the hard way with that but like i just kind of at, at the at pebble i'm playing nine every day and i played with charlie danielson every day uh for four days straight and i'm like i'm just i don't I, i'm just totally focused on having the most energy i can i i think that's something that has changed and especially professional golf in the last five years is how much less practice round play happens at, mm -hmm. at especially at major championships and i think that's something that's the common golf fan doesn't understand is how much 72 holes of, right. of competitive golf. And especially national championship level golf yeah. takes out of you no it it really like people don't see like you know the physical toll 
uh, uh, any tournament will take on you, even if you have a caddy. But still, it is a physical toll. It really is. Ment- the mental... The mental component. wears on the physical, for yeah. sure. But but it's still... I mean, it's it's totally a factor. And, and people don't see that, but it really is. Going from the U.S. Open, the feeling of playing U.S. Open versus Q School. Um, I mean... I, I would, I mean, Q school's more stressful for sure, but the first T nerves, it's, it doesn't compare. I mean, I, I had never been more nervous in my life. The first U was open first T, uh, but just on the, every shot told, I mean, you, the Q school, like the grind of it, it's just, it's, it's more so the, the grind from, you know, hole one to hole 72 than it is for the U S open, you know? Um, the U the U S opens like exhilarating because you, you got tons of people watching, even my group, you know, where, where I'm playing with Joe Schmoes next to me, who just made the U S open too. Uh, it's exhilarating because you got so many people out there and I, you know, I get all these IL chants and I and I chants and it's just, it fires you up. Like you, you have that, you, you have that extra support and it feels great out there. Like it's just exhilarating, but you know, the, the Q school grind is different there's nobody out there. Um, you know, you, it's just you really. I mean, I, I carried my bag at both stages this year. I'm like, it's just me out there with a bunch of guys who are trying to, trying to do it. It just doesn't compare. Would you say that you've got like the heightened nerves of the U S open, but then you get into it and you're just, yeah. Yeah. Once you get into it, it's like this, it's just, you know, some of the most fun times of your life on the course, just because there's so many people watching and it's the ultimate stage, you know, on the ultimate venues. And it's just, it's, it's really just, it's, it's fun. It's, that's what it is. And after the first tee or the first hole, it's like, okay, the nerves start to go away and it's just fun. And then with Q school, it's more of like just a looming it's just anxiety kind of the anxiety, like being able to having to control the anxiety the whole time is, is, is from one to 72. That's the part of it. That's different because at the U S open, even as a pro, like you like, it's a good paycheck if you, you know, do well, but it's, it's, it's just exhilarating, exhilarating. Like even in my third one, honestly, it's still, it's just the most fun times of your life. And it will be that way. And, you know, into my 15th one, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be good. 15 US opens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hopefully more than that. Yeah. <laughs> what was the biggest shock turning pro? Like what was one thing that surprised you when you turned pro that you didn't expect? It's hard to say because I mean, honestly, I, I was lucky because I was so well prepared for it w- being in Illinois and you know, being around all those guys that went pro at Illinois before me and having those relationships with those guys. I mean, I I wouldn't say I was like, you know, surprised with one thing, honestly. I just um nothing nothing equals to the like the excitement you get when you walk on the range with all those guys that you've been watching for your whole life and I mean, you can't you can't mimic that. You you can you can always drop in your mind how how things will go and like be ready for that just because you you've been wanting it your whole life but nothing mimics when you walk up on the range and there's tiger woods you know or not you even even other guys it's just it's cool i feel that way and i'm just a, a media <laughs> member when tiger's yeah. on the range yeah it's it you know it's just that's that's not something that you can be ready for honestly um, you played tons of match play as an AM, whether it be through USGA stuff, the Western, other AM events, mm-hmm. um, college. Is there is there a match that you think about the most? Uh, yeah, I mean, 
my sophomore year, we should have won it at Oregon. I know it's like, oh, anybody can say we should have won, but we really should have won that year. I was like, I, I, I think of, I don't, I don't, I'm not a dweller of the past at all. Like I move on from things fine and I'm, you know, I'm better for it, but I'm really, yeah, it, it, it stings that we never won a national championship when I was there and our team, my sophomore year, I mean, I've got a poster of my room behind me and it's like <laughs> how many times we won. It's we won like 10 of our 13 events that year, nine of our 13 events that year. Um, and, and then going in, nothing will beat the vibe of that team that we had. Like we, we were so close knit, you know, it was me, Charlie, Thomas, Dylan and Eduardo Leparelli. And then Alex Burge played a lot too. And nothing will beat the vibe of our team that year. I mean, we, we were so close knit. We were so good. I mean, we had coach small too, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's pretty fun. But I mean, going into Oregon, we were, we were, we no doubt in our minds, we were the best team and we finished second in match play after not having our best stroke play. And I remember we were like eighth going into the final round of stroke play, but that, that never felt like, like, Oh crap to us. We never felt like, Oh, we are going to miss match play. We just kind of played a really solid final round and we ended up being one stroke out of Texas for winning stroke play. And we were the two seed and we played South Carolina. And I remember the great thing about the South Carolina match was that, uh, they put up Matt Neesmith against, or, uh, coach put up Eduardo against Matt Neesmith and, or, or one of the other way around or something. And coach, it was perfect because coach was able to like, Eduardo was a freshman at the time and coach was able to like get Eduardo ready for this match because he's like, like they're talking about how you're the sacrificial lamb, Eduardo. Like you, you like you're, they, they've already marked off a win for your match. And, and, and it was great. No better feeling when Eduardo beat him on the 18th hole. And we, uh, we ended up, you know, we ended up taking care of business against them, but that, that was, that was such a fun feeling because Eduardo like felt, you know, so great. He should have, and, and he beat their best player and Matt's now gone on to the PGA tour, but, uh, that was such a great feeling. And then it's just one drawback that I have about the NCAA match play is that you have to play two matches in one day. And that always bit us in the butt, honestly, like we, we, we made final, uh, the, you know, final four, three years in a row. And we ended up losing in the final four, three years in a row. And I, I, I mean, you can't make excuses looking back. I mean, I don't make excuses, but that's, that's one thing that I wish was different is that we, you spread out the matches one each day. You know, they'd make more money that way too. Yeah. And, and I mean, it just makes complete more sense that way too, because I mean, we talk about the physical and mental grind of the U.S. Open. Nothing compares to the NCAA championship week. Is Nothing. It, is it the added? Is it added because you've got your team? Yeah, you got your team, and it's emotional. But you got on the Thursday where the week starts, a practice round. You've got a seven and a half hour practice round. Yeah, <laughs> slow and, practice. So round. you show up to the NCAs, and you got on Wednesday or Tuesday. And you got a practice round, you get one practice round on Thursday. And it is the slowest round of golf on your in your whole life. It is seven and a half hours, and you gotta study each hole. You gotta be, you know, coach is just going crazy. It's a you know huge day. You gotta learn every hole. You it's gotta a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it's it's just a hectic day. And then, you know, you you eat breakfast, obviously like nine, go out of the course at ten. You're you're on the course till five for sure, at least. And then you know, you got, you got to get a quick dinner and you got, you know, the first round the next day and you got four rounds of stroke play. 
you have a cut after the third round. That's, you know, no, no joke. Top 15 out of 30. And then you got another cut and then you got match play and you got that first day of match play is two matches. So think about already the toll you've taken. You know, you already played four rounds. You already played a slow practice round. You got a team that's obviously emotional, wanting to win. Obviously everyone wants to win, but that, that you get, you get to play your match, you win. And you have to go right back out, and that's just—it's just a grind. It doesn't doesn't make sense to me, and we never we never accomplished anything that day. Which I mean, obviously is an excuse, but that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I mean, you get to there, and it's the other thing about match play is it's just you see it every year with a. I mean, last year they were talking about how lucas Beauregard beating tiger woods was like the upset it's like i mean we're talking about the 40th ranked yeah, player it's yeah. like it's that's like eduardo beating matt Nisa. It, it's like that that's gonna happen I, four times out of ten i hate to toot my own horn but when he lost to lucas Beauregard, i'm like he's gonna win the masters like that that's i mean tiger you know that festered with tiger for that whole week and a half before the mass you know that and and i'm like like he just missed a four-footer like that's not what Tiger is. I couldn't believe he missed that putt. I uh, yeah, me That's too. Like the way that, I mean, I'm like, I mean, this guy. He, he, he you you saw how good he looked at and in Austin that that yeah. week. He hit the ball amazing. Like, and he played really well against Beauregard too. He just made a couple of dumb mistakes that Tiger doesn't make normally, and um, that was that was quite something. And then yeah, when everyone's talking about oh, like someone some random beat the beat tiger i'm like he first of all he's not random he's probably won before well, many he, times in the wgc match play. right right and, and, <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's golf it just, the it, thing. just it drives me nuts every year it's like yeah. every year one of the big players goes down to some guy that's like 50th to right. 60 and it's like right. this is not an upset like no. this is statistically gonna happen <laughs> it's probably four times that guy play. will probably beat the top seed 46 percent of the time exactly <laughs> like the mart and that's a that's another great thing and what we've talked a lot is the margin in golf right. is so minuscule right, right. It's, and and that's a, that's crazy when you just compare it to it's like sister sport and tennis it never happens in tennis you never mm-hmm. see you rarely see a 50 seed beat a, a three seed even it just doesn't happen yeah it's it's really true i think there's something because tennis has played a match in tennis in a weird way is is more it's like a it's like a five game series in NBA versus right, right. like a set is like a game. Right, right. You know? Right. Versus and a round in golf is it's a it's like a set. It's a sprint. Yeah. yeah. It, it talk about US Open local versus US US Open sectional. I always think about this with qualifiers like uh eighteen hole versus thirty six hole qualifiers. Mindset. Um, or, it's big. Yeah, or Monday, Monday. It's, it's massive. I mean, obviously, I would much rather prefer a thirty-six hole match. You know, a thirty-six hole qualifier. Like, I mean, you you can play not as like aggressively. You can. It, it definitely will get a better player ten times out of ten than in just an eighteen-hole match. But I understand the logistics. Though. An eighteen-hole match already, or eighteen-hole round already takes five and a half hours. You know, so you don't have the time usually, but. It is it is definitely a big difference. Like in, in a Monday qualifier, you gotta you know get out and get off to a good start, no matter what, or you're going home. And then in a 36 hole U.S. Open qualifier, you can play more patiently, you can conserve more energy, you can just play to your strengths more, and, and it, it just well, we'll get the better player for sure. We're both from Illinois. We're not a professional golf hotbed. Yeah, per se, we've got a lot. There are a lot of guys in your age group that are doing stuff. But 
I don't know if a lot of people know this. So state junior match play is called the Chick Evans here. Yeah. You're 13 and you and Doug Gim playing all high schoolers yeah. make the finals as eighth graders. Yeah. Do you do you ever think back to how crazy that, I mean you guys played your first match against each other since then in, mm-hmm. in the at the Eastlake Cup a few mm-hmm. years ago. But like talk about that we, I mean and did you know Doug well before that? Yeah, so Doug um I I started playing IJG events when I was 9 and um 9 and 10 years old I I honestly won a lot of them. I I didn't have like much competition at all like honestly. I mean, I'm not trying to be cocky, but that's that's what it was. <laughs> and then and then 11 years old comes around and you know, you got this new kid who's paired with me in the first term of the year. And his name's Doug Gim and I'm like, "Oh, okay. Like this is like this is a a new player obviously and I I was you know a little surprised that he was paired with me because honestly the IJJ used to always pair with me with the same guys that were like supposed to be pretty good and he was really good like he was really good I don't think he played too well in the first event because like I know his he, he and his dad say that his dad didn't let him play in events until I don't know I don't know if he was able to hit range balls really well or I don't know but I, I know Doug said he, he wasn't allowed to play in events until his dad let him and finally he did and I I think I, I squeaked it out in the first event that we played with, with each other. And I think it was at Glenview Park. Um, but after that, I mean, Doug and I played a lot against each other, 11, 12, and 13. And then when we were 13, we we did the Chick Evans, obviously. And uh, I remember, I think Doug won, uh, won the stroke play. And I was like third in this or fourth in the stroke play. And I think I was like the sixth seed and he was a one seed. And we ended up both seeing each other in the finals, which was pretty cool. And I, that was, that was really cool. And I still remember the match and I'm, I'm still kind of beat up about it because I, I was one up through 14 and on 15, I think I three putted to, to lose a hole. And then we tied 16. And then on 17, Doug made a birdie to go one up. And then, uh, on 18, I hit this drive. I don't know if anyone knows the 18th hole steeplechase, but it's like I, a I it's like a dog leg left par five. Then it, the, the second shot, if you go for it, it's over water. Um, but of course, I was like four foot six at the time, and Doug was you know probably taller than me. But I hit my drive right on like the side hill, and I had this baseball swing lie, and I just completely missed it. I tried to lay up with like a six iron. I towed the crap out of it. And I ended up under these trees, the small trees on the left side. Like I remember I had like 190 yards out of the rough and Doug had laid up to like a hundred, a hundred yards and I needed uh, to make a birdie. And I mean, to this day, this was probably one of my best shots I've ever hit in my life, but I was under a tree, 190 yards out, out of the rough. And I, I was 13 years old and I had a five wood in hand <laughs> and I, Hit the the best five wood of my life. I mean, I I had to I had to like shorten my swing to make sure I don't hit these tree branches, and I just hit this punch. I hit it right in the center of the face, and it was one of those knucklers that came out hot, no spin. But I landed this thing just over the water, probably in the rough, maybe in the fringe, and it lands really soft and kicks up to like three feet. And I was just like, "That's the best shot I've ever hit." I remember my dad walking up to the left, just like screaming, like, "Like my dad was crazy, probably just going nuts." And uh, Doug's dad was either caddying for him or standing there, and Doug ended up hitting this good wedge to like twelve feet. He's got like a curler, like a like a three foot slider down the hill, and he makes it, like a twelve foot, three foot break slider. And he, and I was just like, "Damn!" Like that was quite a match. Like, uh, I mean, and then I was 
I ended up, you know, losing one down and uh they put up two down on the board. I'm like, I lost one down. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it was just I I was like, yeah, this kid's this kid's for real, you know. You were a little kid. But like when I you, saw you, oh, wait, you let me say like, this. Let me yeah. say this. When I saw Doug make that putt last uh you know, a couple months ago to to make his card, I'm like, I've seen that like eight times already. Like like that, I mean, I that's not it doesn't. It didn't surprise me one bit when I went in. That was honestly one of the coolest moments of the whole golf here. Yeah, was for, that sure. Putt. for sure. For sure. I mean, it was like it was a, a heck of an up and down. I mean, I, we played two big tens at Victoria, and um, that's no easy up and down. You got you got water right behind you, and it was like a twenty yard bunker shot, and he had like a ball below his feet, and you know he played a great like side spinner, you know, coming in from the left that you know checked up to about what it was seven feet and drilled it, you know. It kind of like encapsulates pro golf, like right there. It's yeah. like this great player. He was way inside the line. Uh-huh. A bad shot here and a bad shot there, and all of a sudden he's on the line, and right. then he's got a crazy. Uh, he's got to get really not an easy up and down to get his card. And it's yeah. like, are you going to do it or are you not going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 the great beauty of professional golf. Honestly, it's just there's no better way of being competitive, I guess, and the the feelings you get. Uh, being able to control it, learn how to control it, it's just it's the best. You were you were a smaller kid growing up, and then you hit this growth spurt, and yeah. I imagine your game changed completely. Totally. I mean, I I was uh I was not, I didn't probably break six feet until senior year of high school. Like I, I was in my freshman year of of high school. I remember I weighed 120 pounds, and I was like five foot three, and then. By my junior year, I, I finally was growing, and I was probably five ten. But I mean, I I uh, I was so such a different player. My, I mean, I was like I was like Dylan Meyer. I was basically like Dylan Meyer. I, I had a a hell of a short game, and I hit these hybrids and woods to you know three feet all the time. And then my game changed, you know, obviously a lot. And once I grew, I I kind of. Honestly, I started hitting it further and, and I, my short game got kind of messed up. Like I, I, I didn't have the same like technique. My technique changed because I grew, I think. And, um, do you think it's also because you were hitting, you, you needed it less? Probably. And I, I was just always such a talented ball striker. I, I, I always knew kind of how to hit greens. I didn't, I, I, I always, I haven't always had like, honestly, the, the best swing I've always had, you know, I've always been a little steep. I've always had, you know, a, not, you know, not the best fundamentals, but I, I, I've always been able to know how to feel it around. And that's, you know, that's the credit. Obviously I had, I, I've had the same swing coach, Brett Packy, since I was uh, 10 years old and we've been together ever since. And that's the great thing about it is Brett and I have such a great dialogue. And even through my growth spurt, you know, through everything we've, we've been able to, you know, have, you know, do a really good job, I think. And, um, he's done a great job with me, but, um, yeah, my golf swing changed so much. My short game changed and obviously not having to rely on it much probably changed it. But by the time I got to school freshman year, coach wanted to change all this stuff about coach small, wanted to change a lot of stuff about my short game. And, you know, I played well my senior year of high school. I, I going into freshman year of college, I made the final four of the Western Am. I, I, you know, made another USAM. I, I, I had been playing really well. In my freshman year of college, I I had a good year, but I was just totally overwhelmed with my short game. I mean, I I was just I you know having 
you know, obviously not having the best short game my senior year of high school, but I still like didn't overthink it. I just kind of went around there and just got the job done. And then, you know, I needed a better fundamental short game, but I needed to change things, obviously. But I was just totally overwhelmed when I started working with Coach Small on it. I ended up getting pretty damn good at it. And right now, my short game has never been better. And it's why I played really well last week. And I leaned on it a lot last week. But um, I feel like when you're a kid, it's not fun to practice short game. No. But, but then, like, all of a sudden, it becomes the most fun thing to practice. Exactly. No doubt about it. I mean, you kind of just don't care when you're a kid. You kind of just do it and find a way to be good at it. You don't really think about the technique of it. But in order to have all the shots, you need to have good technique. And um, that's kind of what I learned for a couple of years there at Illinois. I mean, Coach Small did a great job teaching me how to do it. Like, like, But, like, I, I, uh, I was pretty overwhelmed for a few years there. I actually think that the best feeling in golf is when you have an incredibly difficult, the shot where you know you have to hit it right into a certain spot for it to just kind of trundle over a hill, like on a chi- on a pitch. It, and when uh, you hit nip it, definitely just on tight lies yeah. too. Like no better feeling. And I, you know, I was never good at those, but like now I feel like I could go anywhere and chip. Honestly, I, I, uh, I was never good at the tight lie, like square face, but got to keep it up a little bit shots. And that's what I've improved on a lot. I mean, I've always been pretty good at just, you know, the, the awkward ones, flop ones, uh, he bumps the flops, all those, but the the square face off tight lies, off a downhill lie, you know, those are those are the, when you get a good at those, it's a powerful feeling, you know. Yeah, it's like the most most fun. Yeah, when, when you hit those right, because then the the ball just reacts. It's just like you know how it's gonna react. No and, doubt. Yeah, it's it's cool. I I short game something that I used to hate and wasn't very good at. Right, and then like now like. I don't play or play that much and try. I don't practice at all, but like short games are where I have the most fun. Yeah, it is fun. It's fun to practice. I mean, I learned that at school too. Coach Small short game is amazing. And um, a lot of my teammates is were too, like Dietrich and Charlie's, their short games were unreal. Yeah. So what's the thing you miss most about college amateur golf? College for sure. Miss my teammates and practicing with them day to day. Amateur golf. Um, I mean, the, the summer events, the slate of the summer events are so good. You know, like you can name every one of them. Every one of them is run amazingly by great people. And I played in most of them. And, you know, th- those were a lot of fun for sure. What's the thing you least miss about it? Um, You know, I almost said slow golf, but it just gets slower. <laughs> um, But I... I um, I honestly, I like the flexibility of having creating my own schedule now, uh, like with like the, how I want to do things every day to day. So I wouldn't say I'm, I miss, I, I least miss the, the, the structure part of it, but I, I definitely like being able to have be flexible. Yeah. I, I think the structure. Oh, definitely probably. class though. Not having class in there is huge. I mean, not, not having those walks across the quad in, yeah. the, in December and in, champagne. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> that's that's that i don't miss for sure i one year i had this uh i had like the last final and i i i lived in the six pack as a freshman yeah so did i last final and the 
the buses weren't running. It was like the last day. It was so late. And it was like the coldest day of the year. And I was walking back and I just had a horrible final. I knew I bombed it. Yeah. And I was walking and it was windy and I, I almost just gave up. I almost just laid down and said, you know what? I know that feeling. I'm done. I know that feeling. Um, so well, last two questions here. We'll get out on, on two fun ones. So what's the best shot you've ever hit? The one, the best shot that you think about? Oh, that's hard. Um, I don't really have one that I think about from time to time. I probably should. Um, honestly, I don't have one. But the one I just mentioned against Doug, I obviously remember well. Yeah. So I'll leave it on that one. Okay. What's the worst shot you've ever hit? Oh. Um, well, I hit a pretty bad one a couple weeks ago at uh, at Illinois Fundraiser. Um, I, I Coach had me get up in front of about 200 people with who were there and uh, it was cold morning and I hadn't quite warmed up yet. And he told me to get out the driver because he, you know, and I'm like, okay, at least it was big. Yeah. So at least I could tee it up too. Right. And then, uh, I, you know, I tee this thing up and I just hit like a 30 yard duck hook, like straight in the ground. And I'm just like, let me just, I just went straight and teed up another one. And this one went like 90 yard duck hook. And then I teed up another one, and finally I hit one way down there. I was like, all right, I warmed up, you know. But, man, I mean, I, I wasn't embarrassed, but I'm just like, all right, like, this is pretty dumb to, to hit a shot when you're not even warmed up yet. <laughs> it's, uh, I, it's funny. The, the worst shots, are like, they're almost so shocking that, like, you're not like, you're just like, wow, yeah. that was really weird. Yeah, you just got to laugh them off, you yeah. know. It's a, it's a short memory. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, good luck in uh, final final stage. Hopefully, you got a bunch more fans to go with all the Illini faithful here. Thank you, Andy. And uh, we'll be we'll be looking for you in, uh, in next year on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour. Yes, sir. Yeah.